Wicked Curious Radio with Roxy's Wicker is a Patreon-supported podcast. Please go to patreon.com, Roxy's Wicker, for more information about the great benefits that you will find becoming a patron of this show. Thank you for your support. Another episode of Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Swigger from New England Curiosities, here today to share with you tales of the strange, the macabre, the haunted, and the unusual. So I am unaccompanied today by the amazing Ken. Wait a second. <laughs> he, is, he is not here. And once again, he sends his regrets. So I made sure to mention that to Ken. That we would give you a little shout out today, Ken. We know you're fast asleep right now, but he does listen to the show uh, after we've recorded it. So there you go, Ken. There's your shout out. We know that you're sorry that you can't be here. And of course, unforgotten on the other side of the board is the Professor Lou. It looks like everything's going well over there today. Yes. Everything looks great. So that's awesome. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I was going to say, it's very unusual for us. <laughs> it's always nice to stop and do a little refresher on some of our ghost stories and to try and, dare I say, dig new ones up. So the, this past week, I've actually taken a few minutes to go to the local library and discover some really cool stories that may make their way onto some of our fall tours. So one of the things I discovered at the Porta Public Library is I don't have to sit and just go through all of the microfilm. I'm the only one that ever uses a microfilm machine. By the way. <laughs> I don't even think anybody knows that it's there. Doesn't surprise me. And it's really cool, but we only have so much microfilm. And I feel like I've gone through you know a good portion of it over the years. Yep. So I discovered when the librarian asked me the other day, she says, what are you researching? <laughs> well. <laughs> love this question. Right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, yeah. I do love that question. Um, I explained some of the things I was looking for. I was looking for the Hartford Circus Fire and some other stories. Yep. And she said, we actually have a subscription to newspapers.com. And wow. you can just put in your search terms. Some of the stories are, are uh, dare I say, sometimes not related to the search terms. It'll bring up random stuff. Yeah. But sometimes it does bring up some really good stuff. So I was pretty excited to sit down and actually be able to refine some of the things I was looking for. I'm sure if they sat down and looked at the computer and looked at the search terms I put in, they probably would never let me back in the library again. <laughs> yeah, I know how that works. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you do everything from UFOs to unsolved murders yeah. to witchcraft, all sorts of strange terms. But I was able to pull out some really good stories. Dismembered foot. At... Oh, yeah. Dismembered foot. All yeah. that fun stuff. Yeah. So uh, I did bring a few stories to share with you that go back to the 1800s. Uh, some are a little macabre than others. I'm going to keep trying to bring that word back. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening <laughs> to the show, you should be using the word macabre every day in your lexicon, at least in one form or another. Hashtag Hashtag macabre. Hashtag macabre. I wonder what yeah. that would bring up. We'll have to see. Well, so that's the baseline passion, right? That's the basis of all of this. It is. Looking at, you know, doing this research and hearing and learning these stories and being able to retell them. And, and that's always been my favorite part is mm -hmm. being able to go out there and sit on the edge of my seat in front of the, in front of the you know, the reel to reel machine, seeing what I can find or pulling out the old books. So there's no end to the stories every time I sit down and I'm like oh I'm going to find some of the same stories there's all sorts of other crazy really? ones that are yeah. out there that they just fly under the radar um, I had found this story it's we go by it all the time in Portsmouth, and when I saw the headline of this story, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It happened in Portsmouth. And as you cross the Piscataqua River Bridge, there's a little point there, and there's the Irving tanks, and it's all very industrial there. And there used to be a paper plant there. Mm -hmm. And I think the story is up from the 1920s. It's still pretty fresh to me. And when I looked at the details of the story, I was like, oh, my God. Does, people must remember this, you know, generations ago. And people I've talked to, didn't even hear about it. Yeah. There was a gentleman who was working at the paper plant and he was releasing the pulp from the pipes and putting it down in a holding bath and the pipe exploded. Ooh. 
and the poor guy was all awash in hot paper pulp and all of you know the the scent of acid and everything that went through the air and the gentleman he was working with clung to life on the window he was blown basically out of the building and hung onto the window on the outside it was something like 50 60 feet up until he could be rescued but the sad thing was when they finally went in to see what happened to this guy everything that was in there from the pulp to the acid to all of the chemicals all they pulled out were bones yeah and I was like, oh, my God. So now every time yeah. I go by that, I mean, it's been, what did I find the story? I think on Wednesday or Thursday of last week. And I cross the bridge. I'm always looking over there now. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even imagine, like, an explosion yeah. like that happening over there. And it's it's a pretty dense area because, it's you know, again, it's very industrial. And, oh, my God, I, I, get, I give myself the willies now just <laughs> driving by. And every time we go by, and I've been, I've been saying it to Ken when we're in the car, I'm like, can you believe that story over there? We go by this all the time. I didn't I know, know right? it. Strange, strange story stories and um but it's just stories like that that are just like wow like can there's you imagine new england this whole area new england a lot of mill towns a lot of things going on there's a lot of quote-unquote industrial disaster stories yeah almost every town has one and some of those stories leave ghost stories yeah, in their way i would imagine i mean dover because in- think of the impact on the community mm. at that point because the, the mills are uh the mills and businesses are employing most of the men mm-hmm. most of the families are affected by mm-hmm. this and I can't even imagine this guy was 21 years old. So, you know, he left behind, you know, parents and probably a fair amount of family. Yeah. Didn't say that he was married, but still, I, I can't even imagine what a tragedy like that would, would leave. Do you know the uh, Pemberton Mill oh, story here in Lawrence? I do. Yeah. I do. And a, double, a, double tra- a double tragedy there, which is, yeah. I mean, just think about it. Well, and, and that story, because they were trying, I remember when I was researching it for one of the, the fly-by-nights I did. The there was a building collapse, mm-hmm. and while they're trying to get people out of the building collapse, someone tips over a lamp and sets mm-hmm. the whole mess on fire. And so you got, you've got the whole community, the whole community's participating mm-hmm. in the second disaster at that point, because everybody's over there trying to dig people up. Well, and everybody had a connection to the mill. Yeah. People that lived right in that neighborhood had families that were there, so everybody went down to help out. And it was—I remember reading um, the research on that. They took the people that were dying and the dead bodies to City Hall, and City Hall for years has been said to be haunted. And that was the makeshift morgue at the time. Sure. And not everybody could be identified because of between either the fire or the collapse. And there were there were some strange stories in that one too. I remember there was a a gentleman during the collapse he was in the bathroom and because he was in the bathroom not in the main mill right at the edge of the mill the bathroom was actually more secure than the mill as the mill came down around him he was in there and uh, that was the only reason why he survived there's all of these other little stories that go along with it that really just uh, i can't even again can't even imagine and part of the building is still there if you if you go you can still see the pemberton sign on the side of the building which is now um i believe it's a storage facility so they keep all sorts of records and papers and things things like that and every town has the fire story every town here in new Mm -hmm. england has the fire story Mm -hmm. i just read about one i didn't know about in salisbury at you know fire in at salisbury in late 1800s i think 1870 1871 and they had to uh, stop that fire by dynamiting buildings. Really? They couldn't fight the fire, so they tried to make a break line, and they actually blew up buildings. And did it stop the fire? Yeah. Wow, it must have really just, just changed the town forever. But, yeah, again, think about the impact on the community. Mm-hmm. And watch. first of all, watching this fire, because it's an hours-long extravaganza. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. everybody's out, and it's like you've got to get people out of these houses mm-hmm. that aren't on fire and say, we're going to blow up your house. Uh, yeah, I can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah. And, and Portsmouth, too. I mean, we've had our three great fires. Well, think about um, think about uh, the Columbia fires here mm-hmm. in the Merrimack Valley mm-hmm. last year mm-hmm. and the impact that had. I mean, with new news and everything, and everybody knows somebody who was impacted right. and all that stuff. This was even more so back mm-hmm. in the day because the communities are so much more tight-knit, mm-hmm. so much more closed. Mm-hmm. This is the whole world for some people. It was, and it was it's so much more of a smaller community. Yeah. And everything, I mean, when Portsmouth had our great fire of 1813, 300 buildings came down in three days yeah. because of that fire. And there was no fire department. It was it was people, unless you had fire insurance and, and that was the only way that they were gonna put the fire out. It was people like you and me out there yeah. trying to put these fires out with one gallon leather fire buckets right. as it was racing across the rooftops and it was wind driven. Yep. And there's so much evidence of that today. You can find 
all the pockets of Portsmouth that are brick that were the evidence of where the mm -hmm. fire was. Portland was wiped out in their great fire in the late 1800s, right. and there's hardly anything left from the 16 or 1700s up there. It was few it, towns have escaped the great fire. There's a great fire everywhere. Well, and that's funny because when we, you know, when we drive through Newburyport, we're always still amazed at like Portsmouth. How many old houses there are there are from the 1700s? Several great fires in Newburyport, mm -hmm. including one that was theoretically set. Which one was that? There was something about some guy who was a farmhand or something who set one of the fires. Had a it, had it, a bad day, and it, it was yeah. There was a woman involved. Oh well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say no more. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, but still, even despite those fires, and even when we look at Portsmouth, there's still so much amazing architecture that's left. Yeah, I know. That somehow so much was spared during yeah. those fires, yet so much was taken down. So, and yeah, New Report's redevelopment is an interesting story in that regard mm -hmm. because one of the reasons they were going to raise the whole downtown, they were just going to flatten the thing, mm -hmm. was because of the history of fires. And they said these buildings can't contain a fire. Mm -hmm. And so they actually knocked down a half a dozen buildings, and everyone right. went nuts mm -hmm. and said, We can't do this so they read they changed the plan and they refitted the buildings to try to mm. control a, a fire in that area but it, it was the whole mindset of the town and it, right. you can see how it would change the whole mindset of the town we got to get rid of these uh, fire traps well in even portsmouth you can see evidence of that some of the older houses they built the brick firewalls on them on on each end of the house so you can see the whole notion was if the house was to catch fire, that the brick firewalls would keep it from jumping over. I don't, I don't know how yeah. good a theory that is, yeah. but how it really did affect things further down the line. In fact, Portsmouth ended up building their fire station right at the site of the Great Fire of 1813, oh, really? right in downtown. That was our first fire department. It was right there on that site. So it's kind of an interesting coincidence, yeah. too, how, how we dealt with fires back in the day um, and just how it's changed the landscape. People people that come to Portsmouth when we're, we're out on the tours, they're always amazed at how much we have. And I'm like, if you only knew... 50 years ago, how much more we had, but urban renewal took out. And then, you know, just about 100 years ago that our fires took out. Yeah. There would have been so, so much more. But right. we're, we're pretty lucky. We've got a really good fair share of beautiful old houses. And yeah. that always amazes me that they've survived. You know, when like I said, when you go up to Portland, Portland's so old and just so missing so many things. You know, their old gravestones, some, yep. so many of them are gone, let alone how they dug out after their great fire, the back of the cemetery to fill in the old cellar holes and rebuild on top of those which is another story mm. entirely i may be wrong but salem mass is kind of that way salem is kind of that They've way lost a lot of you know a lot of their old architecture and history mm -hmm. just the time and and disasters and whatever else oh yeah yeah ken ken remembers um he had told me the story back when he was a kid how the armory in salem burned and you know right down by the pbd essex museum and how everybody went down and there was nothing that they could do to save the armory and, and that's where um down by where the visitor center is today mm -hmm. when you go to salem he said and they had to do their best because everything was so close yeah. to keep it contained because one spark in the wrong direction would have right. taken out a whole nother street and that's you know within the past 50 years as well yeah, it's 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 amazing some of the stories. Well, when was that the Worcester? Find. There was the big Worcester warehouse fire. That was no more than ten years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to talk to my folks that do the uh, the Worcester ghost tours. Yeah, and see what they've got out there. We had them on a while ago with their haunted car story. Yeah, <laughs> yes, which yes, yeah, I remember really that. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's go back. Let's go back to the Boston Globe. Morning edition, Saturday, October 4th, 1884. And the headline reads, A Roxbury Ghost, How a Suicide Spooks Haunted Parker Hill. His weird figure all in white startles a band of bold explorers. Sweeney the blacksmith questions the spirit and is answered. How can you resist a story that starts like that? <laughs> so, um, by the way, Parker Hill is still there. There's actually apartment buildings on Parker Hill today, and you can get a great view into Boston from its vantage point. But, of course, we're going back when there was an apple orchard that oh, was yeah. there. Yep. So 
I also thought this was the perfect story because it is apple season. <laughs> I have lots of good stories yes. about haunted apples, like our Micah Rood story from Connecticut that we've done in the past. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. The, the telltale apples where a man was murdered and buried underneath an apple tree and all the apples that grew were all bloody and revealing that this man had been murdered and dun, dun, hidden dun, underneath dun. the tree, which is my favorite stories <laughs> to tell. So I'm going to give you uh, a little bit of this story. Um, and again, you know, picture we're back in the 19th century. The stories that they write are very dramatic, slightly sensational, and it's, it's just a really good find. Some time ago, a Roxbury man, weary with life and the unhappiness it brought him, sought relief for his soul in a suicide's death. He went into a certain orchard on Parker's Hill, Roxbury, and swung himself into eternity from the limb of an apple tree. Don't you love that? Swung himself into eternity. Swung himself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he swung himself. Yeah. Just from life into yeah. death on the limb of an apple tree. A little poetic. For, it is. I love for what how, happened. But yeah. I, I love how poetic. Yeah. Time sped by, and the neighborhood had most ceased to remember the tragic affair when stories began to circulate telling of strange, weird sounds and ghostly figures from that time to time that had disturbed the belated traveler in that, re in that region. At length, the neighborhood of the orchard began to be shunned by all who happened to be out after dark. Don't go to the apple orchard after no, dark. No. <laughs> Always good advice. <laughs> no one seemed to incline the very first to seek to penetrate into the weird revels of the spirit world, said to be carried on there nightly. Of course, no end of stories, strange and horrible as the ghostly being, which occasioned by the same, were now told by this one and that, until not a soul in the neighborhood of the orchard remained who could not tell of the stranger of something unearthly which he or she had seen. One would tell you that he saw the figure of a man swaying to and fro as it gently impelled by the wind. Hmm. He could identify the tree as the same upon which that suicide had given up the ghost. Such a great saying, given up given the ghost. Given up the ghost. I yeah. love it. Another would tell of a man clad in deep black who could be seen between the hours of 12 and 1, pacing through the orchard with his head bowed down as if deep in thought, with his hands clasped behind his back. He would walk through the deep foliage in the summer and the snows of winter. His footsteps always inaudible. After circling the tree a few times, he would pause beneath its outspread branches and once more look out and contemplate life and death. Mm. I just love this. So good. <laughs> so good. No sooner would he appear that he would disappear and his body would ascend into the air and became on the instant invisible. Another story, this one perhaps, which has more directly to do is that of the deep shade of the tree with its back pressed against the trunk could be seen on moonlit nights a man clothed in white motionless and to all who appeared there particularly on a saturday night a man whose name could not be learned by the globe this is the boston globe mm -hmm. rushed out into a crowd of men who were discussing politics in the public square he had heard a terrified voice that and told them what he had seen he declared that as he was passing by the haunted orchard a few minutes before, when it was 10 o'clock, he had plainly seen the ghost outlined against the trunk of a tree, mm. a figure clothed in white. At first, he thought he had been mistaken and looked a second and a third time. Each time he looked, the figure appeared to double in size until at last it seemed as tall as the tree itself. Ooh. So, <laughs> figure clothed in white, dark shadowy person... Haunted apple trees. Swinging into eternity. Swinging into eternity. It just puts that whole sense of what <laughs> you might encounter there. So, um, if, again, if you were looking at the story, it was October 4th, 1884. So, of course, what does that mean to me? It means now I have to take a ride to Roxbury up to Parker Hill. That's right. Get some pictures, see what's going on up there. And it's these little tidbits that really get me in my car behind the wheel to go and explore and it's those explorations that lead to other things along the way. Right. So I know that when we go to do this and to find the spot, there's going to be cemeteries. Roxbury actually has some very old cemeteries that I'll still bet. exist yeah. in great shape 
from the early 1700s. So this is going to be the start of another haunted road trip. Yeah. And we're going to see what happens. Because there's always something else there to pursue. Like you said, mm -hmm. cemeteries, and every town has its stories. It does. You want to tell, and you guys, you know, Ken likes his food. You know, maybe a hotel or a business that's haunted mm -hmm. as well. There's always stories. Yeah, and there's there's no there's no end to what you can discover. And this is a whole area that we haven't even gone through. So I'm sure we're going to do a little bit of research, like you said, on food. Where's a good place to stop and eat? So that yep. way Ken's happy. Yeah, well. I'll find the cemetery. So that way I'm happy. Listen, you got to eat, too. You do have to eat, too. When you're on a haunted road trip, you got to eat. You work up keep an your, appetite. Keep your uh, strength up. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, what we're going to do is, God, time goes by so fast. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and I have some more newly researched ghost stories. So you are listening to Wicked Curious. Don't go away. For the best and curious entertainment, you have to check out New England Curiosities, located in the historic city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire. New England Curiosities offers tales and tours of folklore, ghosts, and mysterious history with author and historian Roxy Zwicker, New Hampshire's longest-running and original ghost tour. Roxy has been entertaining the locals, visitors from away, and curious souls since 1994. New England Curiosities has been offering tours and special haunted events since 2002. Highly respected and thoroughly entertaining. You'll be talking about your experience for months to come. Discover why New England Curiosities is consistently on top of travel and tourism lists. Yankee Magazine calls the Shadows and Stones Graveyard Tour one of New England's top five cemetery tours. The Boston Globe says an experience with New England Curiosities is one of the three best alternatives to visiting Salem, Massachusetts. From scenic trolley rides to walking tours and speaking engagements, there's something for everyone. So join New England Curiosities and experience why they are consistently featured in the media, including television appearances on the History Channel and the Travel Channel. Check out the latest legendary tours and events from New England Curiosities at NewEnglandCuriosities.com. And be sure to like New England Curiosities on Facebook. Greetings to you, traveler. My name is Roxy Swicker, and you may have heard of me being referred to as Maine's Mystery Maven or even New England's Scary Godmother. Creativity and curiosity are in my blood, always has been and is a way of life. And I really wanna share my creative projects with you. Just under 20 years ago, I began New England Curiosities, a tour and event company based in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And it's given me the opportunity to connect with so many people. And for the past 15 years, I've been serving the seacoast of New Hampshire as a metaphysical instructor and reader. Two of the things on my path that I've committed to are helping to empower spiritual seekers and to share stories from and with curious folks. I know that community is powerful and we can create so much together. One of my projects is Wicked Curious Radio, a radio show that asks, you are wicked curious, aren't you? And also The Woodland Alchemy, which is a film that brings its viewers to a place of imagination, the unknown, and the mysterious. If you would like to help keep these projects afloat and keep us moving forward, you can check us out on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash you can find all of the magical things that we are doing. You can check out all the different levels of subscription and join us on our journey. So again, it's patreon.com slash roxyswicker, R-O-X-I-E-Z-W-I-C-K-E-R. And we thank you so much for joining our curious journey. Welcome back to Wicked Curious Radio. I am your mystery maven, Roxy Swicker from Knowing Curiosities. Make sure that you're hitting the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And if you're looking for even a little bit more, you can always subscribe also to our newsletter on newenglandcuriosities.com. And I actually just sent out the newsletter this past weekend. I think it was Friday the newsletter went out. So if you didn't get our newsletter, you can still subscribe. I'll be sending it out to new folks over the next few days. And we've got some really cool pictures in there 
They have taken out of some of the beautiful houses in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Ipswich has the most first period houses in the country. They have 58 of them. So first period is 1600s, the early 1700s. So there's some great pictures and information in there about those. There's usually a strange gravestone epitaph in there for the month to keep you all excited about the cemeteries and a lot of really cool information that sometimes we just don't have time to cover on our tours or on the show. So it's a great way just to kind of be informed of what's going on and some of the latest news that we've literally dug up for you. So speaking of dug up, this was another headline when I was doing my research the other day that I just could not pass over. When's the last time you saw an article in the Boston Globe that went, Big Grizzly Grony Ghost? <laughs> that's a story oh. that's going to stop me in my tracks. Big Grizzly Grony Ghost. Yep. <laughs> Say that 10 times fast, right? <laughs> so we're back in uh, the late 1800s. We're about 1886 here. And this is a haunted house story from East Boston, Massachusetts. The headline continues to read, Four Persons Swear to the Appearance of the Awful Apparition. Great white face of an old man with a low moan accompaniment. Isn't that perfect? So not only... Is he creepy to look at? But he sounds creepy, too. Mm -hmm. So you've got everything that you need in the story right there. So the story begins. A horrid, shaking, shivery ghost gazed out at one of the shattered windows of the deserted and haunted house next to the corner of, you're going to get the address here now, Meridian and Trenton Streets in East Boston mm -hmm. last night and set the teeth of four people chattering and their blood going the wrong way. I love that. Blood going the wrong way. <laughs> blood going the wrong way. That's a descriptive uh, state of being, isn't it? <laughs> it is. So it goes on to say that it was a big, grisly, groany ghost. It's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. <laughs> Just got the blood reverses. <laughs> Going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, with its head and all its hair about it as big as the size of a barrel. So the witnesses say its manifestation being about 9 o'clock in the evening caused no small uproar. The story is still being told throughout today. They said that young Houle, H-O-U-L-E, was the first to see the vision. He was at the time walking past the hideous old house, which has a spooky reputation, my favorite kind of house, any mm -hmm. house with a spooky reputation, yes. and looks worthy of it. Its windows being nearly altogether broken out in the wind whenever it blows, making strange and creepy sounds as it sends the hanging strips of wallpaper flying and is drawn up through the carnivorous old fireplace. Carnivorous. Carnivorous. So better watch out. The fireplace is going to eat you alive. It's actually not a bad description of it's, a fireplace. No, it's yeah. not. Poole says he heard a low and frightful groan just as he was opposite one of the windows of the old house. And looking up, he saw a great white face of an old man, which being within a few feet of his head, frightened him so he could not stir a step. He was fixed to the spot and continued to look when this other gentleman, Mr. Bussell, B-U-S-E-L-L, -L, came up and looking was also terrified at the scene. Then the young man and his girl companion arrived, and they were as frightened as the others. The girl was so scared that she nearly lost her mind. <laughs> it's, it's dramatic. Now, I'm picturing it, just as you know, I'm thinking everybody's standing there, and no one's moving. They're all standing there looking at the ghost. As soon as the four got control of their sentences, sent, sentence, they sufficiently went to the drugstore. I just saw a ghost. I'm going to the drugstore. <laughs> Here, the young woman came in near fainting and was r given a refreshing draft. What do you suppose that was? Yeah, sounds like draft. a beer to me. <laughs> At the drugstore. Yeah. I love that. Young Hul was as white as the subject well, of the story. I don't know. That story. might be unfair. I mean, soda was on kind of on draft. Well, yeah, it's I like guess. Like a soda fountain type a, of thing. Yeah, that would work. A yeah. soda fountain. Young Hul was as white as the ghost that he had seen and could scarcely walk. He said that the life was nearly drained out of him. The drugstore clerk, Dr. Bulger, and others laughed boisterously at the accounts given of the sight. But the man who said he was in love <laughs> said he didn't see, seem to think that it was anything to laugh at. <laughs> we just have to throw that in that he was in he love. He was in love? Yes, that's what it says. Okay. The doctor said, 
His blood was going all the wrong way. And everything. <laughs> Apparently. Yep. Uh, the doctor said it was everything that they had heard about. The young fellow said if the girl hadn't been with him, he would have gone in and found out what was in there. And, of course, everybody thought he would. I love the commentary. Yeah. But the police were thought of. Patrolman James Herdman was nearby and got as much admiration from the group as another patrolman did at the Washington Street Fire, which apparently must have happened recently. Because he jumped right through the window where the ghost had been and went scurrying about, lighting matches to see whether boys or spirits were the inhabitants. (laughs) It's a great visual. Yep. His decision was in favor, and he burnt a pocket full of matches, all for naught. The frightened ones about the middle of the forenoon arrived at the conclusion that the thing might have possibly been a prank. What the hell is the forenoon? Morning? <laughs> I guess before yeah. noon before would be noon, morning. Yeah. yeah. The middle of the forenoon. So the middle of the morning. Yeah. <laughs> middle of the morning. Yep. That the thing may have been a prank of boys who knew the house was supposed to be haunted. But then again, some believe that it was the ghost. And why the house was so woefully neglected may have been the reason why. Finally, it says, anyhow, the owners have been ordered to board up the windows for the satisfaction of the hundreds who daily pass beneath them and see ghosts. So there you have it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so this is Globe 2? This is the Globe 2. This is what it's kind of stories they were reporting. The Boston Globe, uh, the 4th of October, 1884. And this was page on page 5. I just love it. Page I, five, yeah, wow. Page five, so it's it, it's right in there. Yeah. And I mean, come on, the headline. Well, there you go. Great. There's a middle of the afternoon ghost, which we were discussing in the previous show, where the ghosts only come out at night, right? That's or true. middle of the morning. Middle ghosts. of the morning, forenoon. Yeah. yeah. So I guess they don't always come out just at night. Good to know. It is a, a great visual, like you said, though. This cop just charging in the window, lighting <laughs> lighting matches in the middle of the morning for some reason. <laughs> Must well, it was really well, it dark was, in the it, house. It must have been very dark, you yeah. know, with with the giant fireplace, probably dark and scary in there, and and there you have it. So, <laughs> I like I love these stories. They're they're so good. Um, there was another one here. Let me see if I can grab you the the date on this one. The headlines just get you. This is the thirty first of December in eighteen ninety six. Um, also, the Boston Globe and the headline, and you just gotta love it. Spook stricken. Spook stricken. <laughs> spook stricken. Gloucester's fortress is alive with ghosts. It's spook stricken. <laughs> it's spook stricken. It's not haunted. It's, it's not spook stricken. I like that. I do too. That's a t shirt. Right that, 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 that'd just, be a great Dwayne Curiosities t shirt. I'm just building my t shirt arsenal right here. Today. <laughs> great. Today. Spook stricken. Warriors tremble at the sight of gliding specters. Warriors. Warriors. Yeah. Hundreds turned out last night to see it in uh, apostrophe quotes there. And it yeah, appe- the movie? <laughs> well, actually, I did see the yeah, movie. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, in, in this case, it's the ghost of the fortress. And it says, and it appeared at the armory window. So apparently the ghost did show up. In the spook-stricken armory window. <laughs> That's true. So uh, let's see. The 8th Regiment is troubled with a ghost. Just who the ghost is and why he should haunt the armory is a matter of speculation. It has been conjectured that it may be that it is the specter of some of the departed officers decapitated by Colonel Pugh. I I love a story of decapitation. Colonel Pugh didn't mess around. I guess not. At any rate, the ghost is there. According to some, members of the company are ready to declare on oath that they have seen him. The ghost displays considerable, this is a tough word for me, temer. Temerity. Temerity. Thank you, Lou. Could you define temerity for us? Um, Persistence. Persistence, okay. Mm -hmm. It's another another lost word. It's probably a good way in this context, yeah. Okay. Or boldness and persistence. Gotcha. Yeah. Besides the militia company, the police station and the police court are in the same building, and it is thought that the spook takes risk of being sent up if caught. This ghost is a bird with doing guard duty for more than a month. He has been plainly seen from Duncan Street, so if you're looking where this ghost was, Duncan Street in Gloucester, and the rear of the armory building. Hmm. He is also quite musical. Uh-oh. I love a musical ghost. Yeah. In the armory, there is a piano which is always kept locked when not in use, but the specter evidently has a key. 
<laughs> for the company of guardsmen say that one of the diversions of the spook is to open the piano and furnish musical selections. A few evenings ago, some of the officers and men were in one of the side rooms awaiting the arrival of Colonel Pugh. Get ready to salute the colonel. Oh, Colonel Pugh's still around? <laughs> yeah, I guess. After decapitating some guys? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. He was said he heard a loud knock on the door. The officer in question sprang up to answer the door in order to admit to his superior, and the men stood in line ready to salute. Imagine his surprise when no one appeared at the door. <laughs> the officer went into the corridor for a distance in order to ascertain the cause of the noise. When he returned, the men said he had a frightened look and his eyes were bulging from his head. He did not tell what he had seen. Ooh. Three of the officers determined to investigate the matter, so they themselves locked into the armory at night and awaited the coming of the spook. <laughs> coming of the spook. Coming of the spook. What are you doing? I'm waiting for the coming of the spook. <laughs> he came one time and so frightened did the men become that they burst through the door in a fright and ran from the building. Wow. <laughs> It is rumored that the company is trying to make the ghost walk up City Hall, that is, because they would like an appropriation for a new army. <laughs> the large crowd attracted by the knowledge of the ghost, which quickly spread. They're going to have to get, have the spook getting rid of it. They need more money. <laughs> that's it. Send them to City Hall. Yeah. So a watch was set up for the ghost. Gathered around the armory tonight. It's a great thing to do. So keep in mind, this is New Year's Eve. Yep. Oh, this is New Year's Eve. Yeah, this is New Year's Eve. All right. Gathered around the armory tonight and made much noise and comment concerning the matter. 1,000 people gathered this evening to see the ghost. To spook the spook? To spook the spook. Yeah. And he did not disappoint them. Oh, really? Promptly on time, the figure of a man who was described by everyone went by the window, and he was accompanied by a weird wind-rushing sound. Hmm. All classes were represented in the crowd and all saw it. Many are convinced that they have actually seen a ghost. No <laughs> doubt it is some sort of phenomena, but those can't determine exactly what. Those who are in that singular <laughs> watch the spook studio appear at just such a time earlier in the evening. In the respect that of the early hours in crowded localities, this ghost is unlike the ordinary ordinary everyday spook he courts publicity as described by a cool eyewitness of the ghost he said it was a man wearing short shirt sleeves he appeared at the window then another then returning back to the window the crowd made a break for the armory the lights were lighted but the ghost had disappeared hmm. Hmm. attention speaking uh, an attention seeking spook who wanted to build a new armory yeah so there you have it. Hmm. In Gloucester, the haunted armory, and again we're going back. You it's know, pretty good marketing. That's some public support for your new armory. <laughs> Got to get rid of this one. It's spook. What is it? I can't even. Spook infested. Spook. What was, what was the beginning of the article? Oh, oh we'll just rewatch. Oh, spook stricken. There it spook is. Stricken. Spook stricken. Spook stricken. There it is. Got to get rid of the armory. It's spook stricken. It's spook stricken. The gliding specters where the warriors were trembling at their sight. Wow. Oh, my God. It's just too much. I don't even know what to say. It must be easy to be ca uh, Colonel Pugh after you've decapitated a few guys. I'm I guessing people listen at that point. I guess you're going to get somebody's attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're still still trembling at his presence up there today. <laughs> Wonder if they ever got the new armory. So again, this is a, a good question. This, this is a this is a new story to me. Um, These are I, things we need to know. I need to I need to follow up on yeah. this. So uh, this is just again just the 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 start of things. And of course, what, what I would think Colonel Pugh making a visit to the city council or or the state house would. <laughs> Would have had the same effect. You know, it's not for nothing. This guy's decapitated a few guys. Well, and and when I when I had this story up and was researching it, there was no follow up. It just basically, you know, each one of these is kind of like a, a yeah. standalone story, and I'll go to see if it ever pops up again over the the following weeks. And there was nothing more. A on thousand it. people showed up, according <laughs> to this story. This, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't a couple of guys on New Year's <laughs> Eve telling a story. No. So a thousand people in the town showed up. And he went from one window to the next window. They even saw what he was wearing and yep. then was gone. Yeah. So, 
Oh God! Yeah, this 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 is this is my life. This is the the glamorous <laughs> part of New England curiosities on the other side. And sometimes I I sit at the computer and I giggle to myself as I'm reading these things. These are, it's just my favorite. That was thing. a major event, though. A thousand people. But that's up. that's a lot of people. We don't have yeah. that many people show up for tours. I mean, right. I can't even imagine. <laughs> So uh, what research trip would be complete unless I had some stories of modern witchcraft? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Modern witchcraft. And um, we are going back to the Boston Post in 1901. Once again, just slightly sensational headlines here. Legends of Berkshire and Litchfield counties. Weird doings of the mysterious power of evil in a rural community. Parson Brown's ride on a strange monster's back. I love a strange monster. Strange monster's back. Strange monster's back. Hmm. So oddly enough, this story takes place in Lenox. So Lenox, Massachusetts, a more prolific section for traditions of witchcraft within the past 50 or 75 years cannot be found than southern Berkshire and northern Litchfield counties. But since the first railway whistle was heard in 1842, the witches seem to have left in a body. Okay. In 1822, there lived in the western part on the spur of the high hills an old farmer named McKeel Hollenbach. He had an ordinary farm with a low red wooden farmhouse. An old woman named Showerman used to go from place to place and borrow such matters as tea, coffee, and flowers in whatever it was that she needed to furnish her table. Hallenbach became so tired of loaning her things that one day when the old woman came by looking for a little butter, Mrs. Hallenbach said, we can't be letting you have butter without the money. The thrifty woman was discovered that her that her visitor was very angry. She had a caller named Mrs. Sprague at the time who said, you shouldn't have, have refused Dilly, which was the name the woman went by. Yeah. So allegedly this woman who wanted all this stuff. I know they tell queer stories about her, but I guess she's all right. Yes, she said, but I saw her have that look in her eye when she went out and muttered. I would be afraid to bet that she would come back and set you ugly. Okay. <laughs> come back and set you ugly. <laughs> I love this. This is such good stuff. The two women walked out to look at their cow, and the patient, gentle creature lowed and tried to stand on her hind feet and acted very strangely. Evidently, the cow had been bewitched, and that's they boldened that in the article. Yes. Because the cow's trying to stand up on its hind legs, essentially. Yeah. Something must be done. They, they gave the old hindback some meal with plenty of salt. The old hindback? The old hindback. Okay. It's on its hind legs, I guess. It's new to me. <laughs> it's, it's lots of new words in yeah. here. Her mistress took the milk pail to milk her with a neighbor standing guard at her head and with a whip made guard of her. The milk was bloody and watery and was thrown away. Hmm. The remaining cows that were milked that night without any other unnatural event. Of course, with half half a dozen cows churning every other day, whether from peculiar conditions or the atmosphere, this one cow, they said that the witches were at work because the butter would not come. One of the oracles counseled at heating a horseshoe in the red-hot fireplace and then dropping it into the churn. This accordingly was done when there suddenly was a terrible rumbling, and as the legend goes, the churn fairly danced up and down, and one of the housewives present answered that the suspected aroma that rushed by the window had the speed of the wind. So they yeah. you know, dropped it in. Now it's getting smelly, blowing by the window. They burnt the spirits. Yep, they but, burnt. And he just yep. ex- exited the building. Yep, he just he just exit yeah. stage left. Yep. A day or two afterwards, she was reported ill, and the neighbors in making a friendly call, not probably unmingled with curiosity, <laughs> could go no further than the kitchen, and they could see her as she lay gasping in the bedroom. It was hinted that the reason why none of the neighbors were asked in was because they were prints of a horseshoe on the woman's arm. Hmm. It was said that by the ancient chroniclers, who are these ancient chroniclers, (laughs) that afterwards there were no more trouble with butter or any other domestic affairs. Hmm. 
Interesting. Wow. So that's the way to dispel a curse, in case you were wondering. Yeah. Was to drop a hot horseshoe in the butter churn, and the person that ends up with the horseshoe brand was your witch, essentially. There you go. It's good old New England folklore. Yep. <laughs> well, of course, we, we've got one other one that's attached to this, and this brings us to Salisbury, Connecticut, mm -hmm. where a pious and worthy deacon was about half a century ago. He was said to be fearfully tormented by evil spirits. Okay, here we go. With a faithful and venerable mare, Dolly, his horse. Mm -hmm. Intending to drive to church, the steed would act very strangely, snorting as if in absolute terror. Try as he would, she would not come near him, notwithstanding the blandishments and trying to feed her cornmeal and oats. Her extraordinary behavior by many was ascribed to the influence of witches. Of course, a yep. horse not going to behave, so it's going to be witches. Right. Obviously, it's a curse. One of the strangest cases of witchcraft is that the witches would tangle up the horse's mane in knots. And that was the case of the riot that was so remarkable. In fact, the horse Cleopatra, which I love this, <laughs> was in, in a very good talent, was also said to be bewitched. Mm. There you go. So if like, apparently the minister's horse wasn't behaving. I've had dogs behaving. that I thought were bewitched. <laughs> I think we've all had dogs. <laughs> I think we've all had. That we thought yeah. were bewitched. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And then the, the last piece of this story, the strangest case of witchcraft on record is from North Canaan, Connecticut, also around the same time. And this concerned a family named the Bordens. And they were well known for their industry and their integrity. So, you know, the witches were after them. It just so happens that they were at Reverend's Go Reverend Brown Congregational Church, and the clergy wore a long coat with a broad-brimmed broad hat. He was a godly man, believing in the power of prayer, and the boardman, boardmans lived right down the road. In the rear of their house was a woodshed running in L shape. Sounds like it's in the direction towards the church. And in the woodpile, you would have to climb over an inclined plane I'm paraphrasing because it's, it's getting really deep in here. Right. And in the woodhouse chamber, there was a low door about three feet high, fastened with a loose wooden button, which led into the kitchen chamber. And it goes into how the door was made. We're just going to paraphrase all that because that's a whole paragraph on how the door was made. Back in the day, they must have been trying to fill the, the article here. Mm -hmm. All right. It was late autumn. Here we go. And Mr. Boardman had harvested and husked his own corn, spread it all out in the kitchen chamber about a foot deep to give it a chance to dry. They were out in the woodshed when all of a sudden they heard evil noises. There it is. And it was believed that the witches were at work and they were puzzled. So they sent for Parson Brown, who came with his long coat and his hat. Parson Brown? <laughs> Who did the wedding at the... I don't know. Maybe this is, this is a relative. Wedding in the song? Could okay. be. Yeah. So Parson Brown came with his coat, and they listened to the foot of the stairway, which led up to the kitchen chamber, and they heard steady groaning of something evidently in distress. Mm. Parson Brown uncovered his head and said, let us pray. He said the family had recently been afflicted by the powers of darkness, mm. and he prayed for strength to go up and cope with the enemy of mankind. So good. <laughs> it was after nine o'clock when he rose from his knees and asked Sister Boardman to bring him a lantern to face the witches. The door was opened. With lantern in hand, he went up the narrow staircase. Slowly he went up. The rays piercing through the holes cut in the tin lantern shone to the end of the kitchen chamber. Mm. And he saw a pair of bright eyes, heard a grunt, and then came rushing towards him a terrible monster. Ooh. It was to all intents and purposes a four-footed witch of Endor. Endor. <laughs> and then it goes on to say, more exactly, the witch of North Canaan. It rushed between the person's legs and folds of the coat and was tightly wrapped around the back of the monster. The stairs were rattling and banging with wild grunts and shrieks came from all over the house, with the person riding backwards down the stairs and the lantern beating down upon the stairs, upon the opposing objects. The neighbors heard and rushed for the door, and the monster, finding the door open, rushed out. The parson was caught on the sill and thrown to the floor of the porch. To say that assemblage, about half a dozen people were nearly frightened to death, describes this situation. 
So there you go. Wow. Stacking your corn. Hand-to-hand combat. I know. There was something going on Carson in the woodshed. Carson Brown just <laughs> poor, poor, taking poor on these four-foot <laughs> witches. Wow. Oh, my gosh. It, I, you know, I just I love these stories. I did great. <laughs> could, it, could it have possibly been an animal? Just just wondering, was it really a witch? Could it have been an animal? Oh, see, that's, that's it, a kinder I... thought than I had. I had Parson Brown go, you guys wait out here, going in, tossing some stuff around the room, and then rolling out on his back. <laughs> Did you see that? Oh, God, I just, I, I love this. Just, you know, let us pray and cast this, this evil spirit out. Do you think it's like a wedding or a funeral where at the end somebody hands Parson Brown an envelope? Thank, thanks, Parson. <laughs> Good show, Parson. We'll see you Sunday. Yeah. Could be, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe it was a, a slow week at the church and people weren't showing up, and they needed to add a little, a little drama to make sure that you know Parson Brown yeah. was the guy. Parson, Parson wrestled a raccoon and... <laughs> and and a, and a monster witch apparently. So um, that was no raccoon. That was a four foot witch of Endor. <laughs> Bright eyes. It makes perfect sense. It, it was a raccoon. <laughs> Oh my God! So yeah, so that is uh, again the, the story of uh, modern witchcraft from uh, 1901. In case you were wondering, raccoon stricken. <laughs> what's what's in your wood pile and <laughs> what's getting into your corn? It's the witch of Endor. So there it is. <laughs> but these are these are the types of stories when um, I I do my presentation on New England witchcraft, witchcraft yeah. outside of Salem. It's stories like this, these strange perceptions of you know, of this strange thing. We can't understand why this horse isn't moving or yep. why the butter won't churn. And the first thing they'd blame was witchcraft. <laughs> and the strange things that they would do yeah. to dispel the, the curse. The sick and it's witchcraft. Right. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So those are those are some of the stories that um, I look for. So there was, there, there was a lot of fluff in there describing so this imagine, and that. But... Imagine the women of the house sitting around an oil lamp or something in a parlor somewhere, mm-hmm. reading the newspaper and telling this tale. I love it. Carson Brown. Wrestling the Witch of Endor. I think it's great. Yeah. I bet they weren't going out to the woodshed. <laughs> I'm, sure that they, I'm sure they weren't. They probably yeah. lit an extra lantern too <laughs> exactly. that night. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, I wanted to share with you just a, a few of the new stories that I've been yeah. researching. And, and these are the types of things that just get me going. You know, they're, they're fun. They're funny. And it's hard to believe that people actually took them seriously. And I don't think that these should be lost either. So in, no. in my own way, I always try to weave these into the presentation or the stories that I do. So um, we usually don't do a whole lot of storytelling from the archives uh, on Wicked Curious, but those were a few that I just had to share with you <laughs> this week. But you can always find us at newenglandcuriosities.com. You can check us out on Facebook. You can like and see what we're up to, where we're going. And I really hope you enjoyed those stories today, Lou. <laughs> well, I did. I absolutely enjoyed them. Book your tours at uh, New England Curiosities. And, yes. Uh, and maybe next week, since you're coming on a tour, Lou, We'll have to get your review. Oh, sure. So (laughs) we remind you, as always, to stay Wicked Curious. We'll talk to you soon. Wicked Curious Radio with Roxy's Wicker is a Patreon-supported podcast. Please go to patreon.com, Roxy's Wicker, for more information about the great benefits that you will find becoming a patron of this show. Thank you for your support.